Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Who doesn't love David Coggins? The man is always somewhere. He's fishing in Montana, he's traveling through Italy, he's on the road writing about adventure and the outdoors. But like many folks, quarantine hit and he stopped. And after talking to him, it wasn't easy, but he's been finding the disconnect valuable. The hero of the contender returns to the pod to discuss his life in quarantine, the solace of fly fishing, and share some new words of wisdom and patience in a time of unrest. It's Blamo Extra, and David Coggins is back. We did it. Look at us. <laughs> yeah. Um, look at you. I mean, you're you got your hat on. You're in your cabin. You're in Wisconsin. It just turned to fall, and which is quite nice and bittersweet, of course. But yeah, man, I'm ready for for some fresh air. Cold, yeah. cold air blowing out that summer. Well, it's September first, right? Yeah. So it is. It's officially fall. If you're like, you know, some Gen Xer or some dude, you know, born in the '80s or whatever, like me, and I'm like, okay, like September. That that's the month. That's that's when the leaves change. That's when it happens. Well, and also for anybody who likes to dress, it's like guys <laughs> just waiting to toss on that corduroy the first day it dips below seventy degrees. <laughs> yeah. they're, just, they're just dying to do it. I'm I'm totally guilty of it. Like. I may be sweating through this tweed, but I'll be damned <laughs> if I'm not wearing it on September 3rd. <laughs> I know. I just got a, this is not a flex, but I got uh, my first like Anderson Shepard jacket. Oh, pardon me. And, and, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's like a pretty dense tweed. Um, and the day I had gotten it, it was like 95 degrees. And I was like, I feel like I need to break it in, which I think is also kind of a hack. Like, I don't know if like one does actually break in their jacket. Maybe I'm wrong, but I wore it because I felt like I had to break it in. Of course. I think that's one of the great pleasures is like wearing something you love inside before you parade it in public. I've always yeah. thought, I think Fred Astaire had his valet, speaking of flexes. Throwing oh, yeah. clothes against the wall to take the newness out of them. That's the rumor anyway. And I just, I'm all for it. I've always feel like it's better to to not walk out with like the pride showing on your face of your Anderson and Shepard tweed. Yeah, very true. But it's also That's true funny. that like I keep getting these heavy fabrics and I'm like, I don't need it. I can't wear it. And then I'm like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to be uncomfortable and just do it. How I many? Learn. How many jackets do you have? That's a really good question. Um, our friend Jake Muser turned yeah. me on to double hanging, and he also is triple hanging, meaning three jackets on one um, on one hanger, which I haven't quite gotten into. I, well, I, I stopped counting. My rule is: people ask me how many rugs are in your your apartment. Uh, I, I stopped counting anything at twenty, and you just don't want to know after <laughs> that. And I think I would say the coats are kind of in that realm, but. Uh, I need those coats. I love them. The, the thing is when I think they're very highly differentiated and someone, people close to me are like, they, 10 of these are the same. 
to a common person. <laughs> no, no. The people I know know they're very different. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I one of the things that quarantine had me do is I was like, okay, you know, I put on a couple pounds. I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to find a way to to maybe, you know, this is my thing that I'll just embrace, embrace the weight gain and I'm gonna start thinning down my wardrobe herd. And sure. I put some of the stuff on and then I was like, no. But like I especially from when I worked at the armory and my body weight fluctuated a bit, or when I was like having pants made by Salvatore Ambrosi, whom is probably one of the absolute true great artisans, but he would just kind of make what he felt because, you know, you got the buddy sure. discount on stuff. <laughs> I like put on clothes and I'm like, okay, that, that just doesn't fit or that just doesn't fit. And so I've been trying to, trying to thin the herd, but I, I don't think I've been able to do it. I'm just, I, I'm just keeping it no matter what. It's very hard to say goodbye. <laughs> sometimes it's important. Sometimes you find a, a young friend, a thin friend, and uh, you, you make a donation, you make a gift, you know, they'll appreciate it. And they look great in it. But other times, you're like, I, if I only give up bread and whiskey, I'll be fine in six months to wear these clothes. Yeah. With, that's speaking the of, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of quarantine, what has your quarantine been like? Because I mean, did you did you leave early? What happened since February? Well, um, it, it's been a, a wild ride. I think everyone's gone through a lot. I think in some way my life lends itself to quarantine, which is sort of an absurd, maybe sad situation just because I I'm, I write a lot. I'm solitary. I, I don't leave. Um, I was in New York. Emily and I were in New York um, mm -hmm. quite a bit. Uh, I actually flew back from London on the maybe last day before flights ended at March 12th or 13th, which was fairly unusual situation. And then mm -hmm. we quarantined in Manhattan, took it pretty seriously, didn't leave the apartment much, and then went to the Catskills a little bit back and forth when it became sort of acceptable to do that. Mm -hmm. And then finally in June, the beginning of June, it was getting a, a little uncomfortable around our apartment with just with some unrest and <laughs> helicopters all night and, and just some, oh, geez. and it, it just got a little bit, a little bit prickly there. So I just got in the car and drove uh, to Wisconsin in one, in one move, which is pretty serious. Wait, and, wait, you drove to Wisconsin? Yeah. I just woke up when I said, I'm out of here and took the car to Wisconsin where I am now to our cabin. And my parents were here. And so I did the distancing thing. Um, but it was, this is a pretty good place to be. I had to do a little more travel for a few writing projects, some more road trips, a crazy trip to England where I was quarantined again. And so it's, I, I've been writing this book. It's a pretty good time in a selfish sense for me to be away from the world, but it doesn't mean you don't feel sad about the state of the world. So you're trying to balance those things. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, that's actually a very Coggins like eloquent answer. I, I, uh, <laughs> I respect and appreciate that. But it's, I do kind of wonder because someone like you, in a weird way, I feel like some, a bit of the, so many people look to you so they can vicariously live through you because you're, you're fishing, you're, you know, you're out in the woods, you're, you're all of a sudden you're in Florence, you're in yeah. London, you're, you know, you're doing all these things and then quarantine life hits you and now you're not. Well, I think it's important to look at that and ask what we took for granted. I'm almost embarrassed at some of the things, the sort of expectation of seamlessness that, oh, let's go to Japan, let's go here for work or do something. And, and a kind of how I took that for granted. 
and in a way I shouldn't have. I think there's a lot, um, a lot of things that happen now that that make you appreciate how lucky you were to do certain things or to live a certain way. Yeah. And, and maybe it's time to reflect on and spend more time not always looking for the next thing, being a little more aware of where you are and focusing on on some of the things that are close to you that matter to you. Of course, you know, it's easy to do when I like I can do a month of this self-reflection and then it's like <laughs> month two, and like I'm not I feel like I don't want to improve myself anymore. I don't all the, <laughs> those Russian novels I was gonna read and and this uh, wellness program or whatever, you know, watch all the criterion Japanese films or something. And then by month four, you're like, this isn't doing it for me. I'm, <laughs> I've had enough. I've had enough trying to get better supposedly. Yeah, I threw myself into World War II books. Oh, nice. And um, I'm very tired of the war. <laughs> right. no, it's, I was doing some a little bit of that too. I just splendid in the vial. I don't know if you've gotten on that. The Eric Larson is, and it's and you think, I mean, it puts things in perspective, of course, and it's good right. to have things in perspective. Though in a strange way, it's hard then to. I feel like we can't. We know the situation is bad, and so then it's harder to feel sorry for yourself, which is good. But sometimes a little. Like it's good to want to to go back and see your friends and even do something as extravagant as wearing an Anderson and Shepard suit. I mean, I think <laughs> those things are part of life, you know. And and I I, I want to eat gelato, I you know, and I don't. In <laughs> in the fact that it's almost demonstrably unimportant is sort of what makes it wonderful in a way. Yeah, I mean, being stuck while you know I. I followed the rules and did all the stuff that I was supposed to do. Once I realized that I wasn't at pity, I wasn't going to do that things. wasn't going to do those things. It, it definitely hit me hard in the sense that I was like, Oh wait, like so much of my, I realized that like my value for most folks and at least for myself was, was just being at the right place at the right time. Like, Mm. I'm not fishing at all, but it's like, I have zero skill sets. It's just, <laughs> oh, look, there's Jeremy. And I'm like, hey, I'm over here in the corner. So it's like there all of a sudden, but now I'm stuck. And so yeah. I don't, there is no there's Jeremy moment. I'm just reading Band of Brothers for the 50th time and just like, come on, guys, come on, 101, let's do this. Well, it's it's hard. It's hard when you, I mean, pity is such a funny and a perfect example because it's both both frivolous and important at the same time to, to certain mm-hmm. people in certain industry. And, and so it's easy to, to kind of complain about it or to make fun of it, especially while you're there or, or <laughs> but then, if, then when it doesn't happen, it's like, Oh no, this is, and, and that missing that is real, Be, uh, you know, relationships and professional um, opportunities and a, a thousand other things. And just being in Florence for goodness sake. Yeah. I mean, I guess I think about want to hear the rest. Join us over on Patreon. You'll hear this episode and tons more exclusive pods from the return of Sid Mashburn, Michael Hill of Drake's, and more. You'll also get access to our private members-only Slack group, where we chat about menswear and a bit of everything. Visit patreon.com forward slash blammo, and we'll see you there.